Jesus said over in Luke chapter 4, he said, uh, if you're not faithful with unrighteous money or power of money, who is going to entrust to you the true riches? Who's going to entrust to you the true riches, the things of God? So um, your heart will lead you, this they did, by first giving themselves to the Lord and then to us. Your heart, uh, looking to the Lord or yielded to the Lord, will lead you to receiving a grace from God to do the things that are impossible to do except by faith or except God is involved or except you grab hold of the faithfulness of God, have faith in God. That's exactly what the Macedonian believers did. It's, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant, verse 1, of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. How did they do that? They did it by first giving themselves to the Lord and then to us. Not as we had hoped at first, right? They hoped they had a desire that they're going to they're gonna sow and they're going to give. Uh, but then they said... Uh, that's enough. Uh, you know, Paul and his, his company said, well, well, that's enough. And they said, no, no, we, we, we got to have. They say, he said that they begged us for this opportunity to give. Well, they had hoped that they would uh, participate in what was going on, but they did beyond what the hope of Paul and his companions uh, spoke to Paul and his companions. They did beyond that. How? Not as we had hoped, but by first giving themselves to the Lord and then to us. When you con connect with God and you hear from God and then you decide, I'm going to act on what God has said and you yield to that. When you do that, you get an ability that is beyond yourself. You get the ability of God, the life of God, the power of God and the provision of God working through you. Just like we talked earlier about speaking in other tongues. It's the words of God spoken through your mouth that you may not understand in your natural mind. So when you do this, you may not understand in your natural mind how in the world this would ever add up and how if I take away from what I have from my heart and I sow it into the things of God and, and the kingdom of God and what God is doing, how in the world is that going to provide provision for me that chapter 9, the next page over, actually says that I will have all sufficiency in verse 8 and all things I'll be able to give into every good work. Well, you you find out that it is how it is by faith you access this grace from God, the grace of giving and receiving, the same way that you've accessed the, the grace of faith and the same way that you've accessed the grace of utterance and the same way that you've accessed the grace of knowledge and the same way that you've accessed the grace of love and the same way that you've accessed the grace of diligence. Would you like to enter the grace of diligence? Praise the Lord that you could actually be diligent beyond your own natural ability. This puts us all on the same plane. This isn't like, well, I'm just a disciplined person, so I'm better than you. No, those are works of the flesh and self-righteousness, and that will push you away from the things of God. It will not draw you in. But when you come by faith in God, that you're saying, God, I believe that you can go beyond what I think, what I could, the amount of hours and effort that I could put in to produce finances, to produce provision, that, uh, that, that me trying to be good and do do good in the in in seen in the light of your goodness that you actually are that mine is just filthy rags in comparison to yours unless i mine is an outgrowth or an outflow 
from my yieldedness to your spirit and to who you have created me in Christ to be, in my union with Christ, because then it is from himself, and God is good, and God always does good, and the plans of God for you and about you are good. And so God is a provider, and he will provide when we look to him and we enter into the same, this grace of giving and receiving, that you need provision for things that have come up in your life that are maybe unexpected, that you need provision. God is the provider. God, the Bible in the Old Testament, gives a name to God. And that one of the names that it gives to God is El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. The El Shaddai God. And he wants to be El Shaddai to you today. He wants to be El Shaddai to you, not only in the area of your finances, but he wants to be El Shaddai to you in the area of your physical health. And not only in the area of your physical health, but he wants to be El Shaddai to you in the area, most importantly, of the real you, your spirit, that you actually receive the fullness of life by receiving the Son of God into your heart, that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. There is no other avenue or no other path to full satisfaction in life that doesn't pass through the blood of Jesus. Jesus himself, he died because of love, his love for you and for every other person on this earth. He died for the worst person you can think of, that you think they're doing something so bad, they don't deserve uh, goodness and they don't deserve mercy. Jesus saw them in that condition, just like he saw you and he saw me in our condition. And he said, Lord, he said, oh, father, I am going to be merciful to them. And God looked down and he saw you and he saw me and he said, I'm going to give up my one and only son that whoever would believe on him would not perish, would not die, but would have my life and my nature that will last forever in them. That's what God looked when he saw you. That's what he saw. He is the God who is more than enough. He is our abundant provision for every arena that we experience in life. He is abundant provision for your mental health. Do you know some people, maybe they're physically healthy, maybe they've been born again, but because of whatever, they've never received complete health mentally, that Jesus died for your mental anguish, that Jesus died to take away your sin and to take away your shame, uh, that the Hebrews actually tells us that the blood of Jesus doesn't only take away the sin itself, but it takes away the very consciousness of sin, that you would no longer live with a consciousness that I am a mess up and that I have messed up and that I'm living under the weight and the atmosphere and the seeing through the glasses of this shame. That Jesus lived a life of perfection and perfectly fulfilled the requirements of the law of God so that he could free us from the requirements of the law that we would no longer have to live 
according to the dictates of that law that we'd have to look and reference this sheet and figure out, okay, I got to do this. Okay, I did that. Now I got to do this. Okay, now I got to do this. Now I got to do this. Jesus died to free us from those dictates and to give inside of us before we would try to do that. And before you're born again, if you're trying to get good enough or make yourself right enough, either to get into the family of God or for God to provide for you or for God to heal you, that is, you, you do not access the life and power of God with that type of thinking because that comes from a hardened heart or a stony heart, as the Bible calls it. And that stony heart is saying, well, I'm just going to do it myself. I'm going to produce it myself. But God, Jesus, God sent Jesus and Jesus died so that we could have a tender heart of flesh. And that tender heart of flesh is recreated, is created by God himself. And when that heart is created within the believer, that heart has within it the very love of God, the very nature of God. Romans 5, 5, the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Well, sometimes we try to function. Well, I should say sometimes. It's probably many times would be more accurate. Uh, we start out and we try to just function because we're going to respond from our flesh. You, you spit on me, I'm going to spit on you. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. You embarrass me, I'm not going to let you, you, you see my embarrassment. I'm going to cover that up and I'm going to show that I'm, I'm stronger than you. I, I, I am better than you. I can do more than you. Sometimes we respond to things that happen from mental reasoning. Well, I'm going to figure this out. I know Kenneth Hagin, he wanted to respond from the flesh, but when he was so sick, he was so weak, he couldn't do it. So he reasoned out, uh, I can't beat you in a fair fight, so I'm going to get up on top of a building and throw a brick down on your face, try and knock you out. Is before he got the love of God in his heart. Why? He's responding from the flesh, responding from mental reasoning. Well, if you're going to do that, if you're going to live your life from the flesh, what, what your flesh decides it wants. If you're going to live your life from your mind, what you can figure out. If you're, going to let, if you're going to let your life be limited by the power of your flesh or the limits of your natural mind, don't expect to see the glory of God in your life. Don't expect to see the things of God in your life. But thank God we don't have to live that way any longer. We used to live that way. We used to live that way. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ constrains us because we judge thus, or this is how we judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And he that died for all, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth or should not anymore live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. 
I love that. Probably my favorite translation of that is the New King James. Like, in other words, he took our death, so we're take his life. And if you realize, if you look and see him on the cross, that on the cross are your sins, on the cross is your shame, on the cross... Um, is your weakness, your failure, that you actually were on the cross and that you died with him on that cross. Why? So you could take his life. So he took the death that you deserved and that I deserved. And in taking the death, he took the poverty that was assigned to you. The spiritual poverty, the physical poverty, and the financial poverty. He took that on himself. So when you see him on the cross... You see love on the cross because on the cross, Jesus denied himself living free from sin, living free from poverty, living free from sickness and disease because that was all placed on him on the cross. Right there on the cross, Jesus took all of that off of all of mankind and it was he bore the brunt of it. He bore the weight of it. He bore the totality of it and went to hell and paid the price for all of it. And after he did that, that's Romans chapter four. Okay. After he did that, then once the claims of justice were met, as soon as we, all of mankind, not just me, not just you, not just all those 7 billion people that are alive today on earth, but all those that have ever lived and all those that will live till Christ returns. Jesus took the sins and the sickness and the poverty, cursed the curse in every form and fallen mankind. He took that on himself and he went to hell, defeated it. And as soon as, as the price was paid, that heavy, heavy price, as soon as that was pray, paid, God raised him from the dead by his spirit. And when he rose from the dead, this is what this is saying right here. When he rose from the dead in chapter five, we rose from the dead because he is risen. We can live. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the life. And if we're going to access that, we have to receive Jesus. When we receive Jesus, uh, we receive the resurrection and the life. And what happens instantly, we are resurrected. We are made brand new, a new creature which never existed before. If you keep reading in, uh, down, down to verse 17, uh, well, I'll just read verse 16. Uh, Wherefore, henceforth, from now on, know no man after the flesh. Even though we've known Christ after the flesh, we don't know him this way anymore. Therefore, therefore, if any man, if any person be in union with Christ or be engrafted into Christ or has become one with Christ, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. You are brand new. When you come to Christ, you are brand new. Old things have passed away. Your slate is wiped completely clean. It, maybe these young people don't understand that. Do you guys understand your slate is wiped clean? What that means? Like in school, you used to have like a, a little chalkboard that you'd write all of your school lesson on and you have to show it to the teacher. Now, I'm not that old. I've just studied and learned about it. Okay. But you got to wipe it clean. So it cleaner than you could wipe a natural chalkboard slate Complete cleansing comes through the blood of Jesus. Complete cleansing. 
not just a covering. It, we're not talking about the blood of an animal that would cover up your mistakes. We're not talking about the blood of an animal like that, that, that hands were laid on what's called the scapegoat and he went into the wilderness and he took all of uh, your wrongdoing. No, no, we're talking about the blood of the Son of God who became a man and lived a perfect life to fulfill in every point and every extent the requirements of the law so that he could be the perfect lamb that doesn't cover the sins of mankind, but removes them. Glory to God. Jesus is awesome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the way that you receive the gift is by faith. In other words, God will do things that the natural person cannot wrap their brain around or their reasoning around or doesn't have the physical ability and strength to do, God does with what man is impossible. God makes it possible. And your faith in God connects you to Him. Remember last week we talked about faith? We're not supposed to have faith in faith. We're supposed to have faith in who? God. And that faith, Smith Wigglesworth said, faith is like a door that gives you access to God himself. So our faith is in a living being. And his name is Jesus. And his father, God himself, Jehovah God, or El Shaddai, will provide for you and has already made provision. The way that we access it is by believing what God said. When we believe what God said, in order to believe, you can, you're relying only upon what God said. And so you're letting go of what other people said. You're letting go of other things. You're letting go of other gods. Maybe you have allowed other things to take the place that only God deserves. Maybe you have allowed other things, you know, a lot of times this doesn't happen because we intend to go away from God, that we intend to replace God, that we intend to look other ways. It's very subtle and it's incremental, step by step by step by step. And before we realize it, we find out, hey, wait a second, my life is not pointed in the direction of God it's pointed in a totally different direction. And where I'm being taken is not where I want to go. My heart is not here. The Bible says then return to your first love. Come back. Come back. So you have to make a decision to come back. And to make that decision, you have to, these things sometimes that maybe you have gripped so tightly to, and you're holding on to because somehow you let that slip in and you're finding your security in those other things. Uh, sometimes you're finding your health uh, other ways than by trusting God first. We're not, but thank God for doctors, but man, you better pray that the doctor's hands and that their minds are guided by God. You know how easy somebody can make a mistake? Because 
humans are not perfect, but God is perfect. So, uh, I don't want to go too far there. So, those things that you're holding on to, other things that you've allowed to take the place of God, maybe it's money. Uh, maybe the, the desire, the strong desire to have provision that no matter what happens, you're good to go. You know what? If, that, if, if the, the source of that security is from money you have stored up and not from God, you're missing it. You remember the rich, rich young ruler that Jesus talked about? He had done all these other things and he saved up all this money. He had all these finances. And he said, what do I have to do to enter the kingdom of God? He's like, uh, well, I've done this and this and this and this and this and all this from my youth. And Jesus said, you, have one, you lack one thing. Take all that you have, sell it, give it to the poor. It says that the, that young man went away sad. And I'm not saying you have to sell everything you have and give away to the poor. But you know the condition of that young man was such that his security in life was in all of those things. And God doesn't want our security in those things because those things are temporal and temporary. Put, put not your trust in uncertain riches. Paul told Timothy, put not your trust in uncertain riches where moth and rust destroy, but put your trust, put your faith in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So, in other words, to put your faith in Christ you got to release these other things, these other little gods maybe, these other things that, that you allow to get priority. Do you know that you can have, um, uh, sometimes maybe it's not financial things. Maybe it's not things of health. Maybe it's not an actual little god like an image of a god. Maybe, maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe that's where you've put your... your, your um, well, sometimes you put your trust, but maybe in that friend or that family member, you find greater satisfaction than you find in God himself. Maybe they are your joy. Do you know God wants to be your joy? And if God is your joy, as we've read these scriptures today, if you put God first, everything else just falls in line. But when you put a person first, if the person is not Jesus, if you put a natural human first, they will fail you and they will disappoint you and they may be satisfying you today, but they might not satisfy you tomorrow because they won't satisfy you all the time. Do not slip into the lie and the deception of finding your satisfaction even in another believer. You put your trust in God. Put your faith in God. He satisfies so deeply, it goes beyond the natural satisfaction of just being together. I mean, I want to see everybody that's out there right now. I want to see you together in, uh, you know, your flesh, hug your flesh, right? I want to do all that. But you know what? My greatest satisfaction is knowing God, that I may know Him. I, I want to know you better, and especially when you're yielded to the Lord, I want to know you better. But like Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know Him. And the power of his resurrection. I want to know him more intimately and more deeply. He is the satisfaction of my life. 
He so deeply satisfies and he so deeply brings me to life. Like when I, when I'm nearer with him and focused on him, I become who I was really designed and created to be. I become the best me possible because I become me filled with him, me given over to him, to the things of God. But again, in order to do that, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First John. First John chapter four, verse 18. There is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. He that fears is not made perfect in love. I'm almost finished. He that fears is not made perfect in love. I'm just looking for one translation of that. Thank you, Jesus. Perfect love casts out all fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. I'm not finding it, so I'm just going to look it up real quick if you don't mind. We love, verse 19, because he first loved us. Actually, that's the verse I was looking for anyhow. We love because he first loved us. So listen to this. Perfect love casts out all fear. He that loves... Um, he that fears is not made perfect in love because perfect love casts out all fear. Verse 19, we love, the hymn actually is not in the original, we love because he first loved us. So in other words, if you are going to be able to love someone the way that they should be loved, with God's kind of love, the only way you can do it is if you're first loved by God. That kind of love drives out the fear that if someone sees my mistakes, I won't be accepted. That kind of love takes away the fear. And until you receive that love, verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Until you are first embracing the love that God has for you, your love that you're showing to other people is a natural human love. You've got to show the love of God. You cannot love people with that love until you first receive that love. When you receive that love, shame goes away. Shame is taken away. Because you know, no matter what mistake I have made, no matter if I know much about this subject or not, no matter if I've studied a lot of this or not, God loves me. And if you really know He loves you, the fear of embarrassment because you made a mistake rolls away. It peels away. We love because he first loved us. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for that name, that name that is above every fear, that name that is above every demonic, every demon, 
every demonic thought, every demonic temptation. I thank you, Father, that the name of Jesus is our freedom and that in his name, when we use his name, uh, that that name has power over every demonic force and that that name has power even to cause our flesh, the, the, the um, strong desires of our flesh to take their rightful place under the dominion of our spirits. Father, I thank you for the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray for every person who's listening to this right now. I pray, Father, that you would help us to see into our hearts like David prayed. Lord, examine me. See if there be any wicked way in me. See if there be anything in me drawing me away from you. Uh, see if in me there is any wickedness, any wicked way that I'm going. Father, that we could see from your perspective, even as believers, Father, if we're distracted and uh, taken over by desires for other things, Father, that we just put them at your feet now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you first of all, if you're a believer, and uh, maybe you need to make a decision, uh, not for Christ because you're born again, but you need to make a change in the direction of your life. Maybe like I said a little bit ago, uh, you, you kind of got things slipped in and you kind of started to get off the wrong track. Uh, don't even take this like, well, this doesn't apply to me because I, I, you know, I don't need to recommit my life to the Lord. No, I, I'm asking you, you look to the Lord. Psalm chapter 19. Thank you, Jesus. You look to the Lord from your own heart. Today is the day to make a change and to make a change for God. Today is the day of freedom. Psalm chapter 19, verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Meaning you don't see it yourself. You don't see your own errors. Only God could reveal those to you. And thank God when he does reveal it, he reveals it in a way um, that you can receive and that you can see. In other words, he does it in love. So who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I will be upright and I'll be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And then uh, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 3 through 5 says, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not prove that I'm right. I have to rely on God for that. That's Christian Standard Bible. Proverbs 21, 2 says, All a person's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. I'm talking to you if you're a believer, if you're a new creature in Christ Jesus, that without God showing you, you don't even see yourself. You see some things, but you don't see everything. So don't make the mistake of, of believing that, hey, I see everything, so, so I'm okay. No, even as a believer, your life is to be, actually a definition of a believer, is to, your life is totally reliant upon God. That you ask him, Lord, you look at me. You, you, you tell me. So, Lord, you look at them right now. You look at me right now. Uh, notify us. Are, are we living in the right way? Is there something we need to change, a direction we need to change so that we are 
uh, yielding to your fullness so that you can do in us and through us whatever you want to do. If that's you right now, I want you to make a decision and I want you to say, you know what? I'm going to live by faith. I'm not going to rely on these other people, these other things, these other securities. Jesus is my security. If he goes down, I'm going down, but he won't go down. His word will never fail you. So you just turn, turn your heart to the Lord, find your greatest satisfaction in him. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for those right now that made that decision. Father, I pray that as they turn their hearts to you, Father, that, that their steps of faith will, like you said, you enlarge our steps under us that our feet will not slip. That as we take steps of faith towards you and your things, that we have huge places to set our feet down. That your grace, even though sin abounded, your grace did much more abound. That there's much more grace that we receive when we turn to you by faith. Father, we thank you for your provision. We're not going to live uh, and let other things take your place. We're going to have you be first place in our lives all the time, in every situation. And we'll live in the satisfaction of the fulfilling life that that is. In Jesus' name, amen. You might have to sometimes repent. Sometimes if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You know, that's to the believer. And uh, you, people make a huge mistake by saying, well, I, I'm a believer, so I don't need to confess my sins. He took all of them past, present, future. No, because your confession of that is you're identifying, hey, I'm not perfect. You are. I'm relying on you. Yeah. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. Okay, if you're watching and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, you can receive him today. The way that you receive him is you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you confess him with your mouth as your Lord. In other words, you're saying, Lord, uh, Jesus, I'm taking you as my Lord right now. If you want to do that, I'm going to pray in just a couple seconds. I'm going to pray a prayer with you. And all you have to do is believe in your heart and say it with your mouth and you will be saved. Yeah. All right. Make a decision. Three, two, one. All right. You made the decision. Now let's pray. Say, oh God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that Jesus brings me to you. I believe that when he died on the cross for my sins and paid the price for me, that you rose him from the dead. I take him right now. As my Lord and as my Savior, I am now born again and a part of your family. Thank you, Father God, for making me your child and bringing me to your heart. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. In your name, I pray. Amen. Amen.